some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to yet another edition of Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. We like to be unlimited, don't we, Ace? Yes, please don't put me in a box or <laughs> shackle and chain me. I'm, I, I can't do that. Like, I'm not a nine to five guy. Like, you know, after years of us doing mornings, like, I just like, let me be free. So uh, we're glad to be a part of your week each and every Friday. Thanks for subscribing, following, and liking us, as well as we want to say thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group as we catch up on what's been happening this week. Breaking news. A man in Morgan County, Alabama, walks up to the sheriff's office where there is a jail, takes a giant rock, smashes the window, walks in and says, I broke the window now. Will you arrest me? <laughs> Was he Ernest T. Bass? I think it's he's... <laughs> That's crazy. Who's he running from? Like, what? what's so bad at home that that's how you want to be? Hey, what are you in for? I broke the window. Like, is that what happens? Well, wow. they have a Facebook page and people have been having a field day with it. They were like, wow, they get a little bit too hot. I mean, it was 100 degrees <laughs> this week. Did he need some AC? I mean, it's just crazy. Yeah. I mean, the heat does make you do crazy weird things, you know, like maybe go outside with a little less clothes than probably you normally would just because it sticks to you. But I and and I have to applaud my wife, though, because she loves to run and she has not let this summer stop her from getting in her runs. Now, she says the great thing is she said, I must be all alone in my thoughts because no one is at the park. <laughs> I was like, babe, unless the ice cream man's coming. Nobody's going to the park this summer. So I don't know how people manage. Like I wait for the rain and then I just dance around in the puddles because <laughs> it's too much. That's dedication. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is dedication. How do we go about sharing our faith with friends? You know, a lot of people grew up in church and so their friend circle pretty much is already committed believers. And so they really don't spend a lot of time with with evangelizing among their circle yeah. and a woman writes when she went to college and had this giant clash with all these different cultures and religions and and races it opened her mind to how would the lord want her to share her faith and she came to a conclusion that i think is really interesting she believes the best way to go about it is to love your neighbor radically however that looks in that moment. Yeah. Well, and I think it's important whether it's people in your church or it's people, you know, that live next door to you or you shop with or work with, like know enough about what's happening in their life so that when they're going through something, you can either be an empathetic ear, you can be a, you know, prayer warrior for them and intercede for them, or if nothing else, talk about maybe like struggles and solutions that God presented for you. And you don't, your evangelism just comes out by your own story. You don't have to have three degrees in theology to be able to, you know, dispense any wisdoms about your faith. You have to just talk about your experiences. And that's the cool part, too. If you look at the stories in the Bible, it's 
full of nothing but stories of people, eyewitnesses of what Jesus did and God did, you know, miracle moments and wrath moments, but that's that's what the Bible's full of. So why would we why do we need to put this big evangelistic like, well, I'd, I'm just not qualified? It says who? You know, Jesus picked 12 guys from the field. You know, <laughs> there was no, you know, Southern seminary of any kind, you know, to go through back then. You know, you put on your best sandals and you tried to keep up, you know, it's like, oh, let me, there was nothing to write it down. You didn't have your phone. You couldn't take selfies. Me and Jesus at the grave, you know. <laughs> so I'm just, I, I, I love the idea of being able to love people where they're at, because if nothing else, you just make yourself available. You know, what, what is the thing that you wish someone had done from you for you when you were hurting? You know, well, why doesn't the church reach out to me? You know, and that's not for me to decide. But if you are close enough, that's why we go to church. So people are aware of what's happening in your life. And then you get fed in the process. Well, as a sweet story, I had a neighbor whose weeds and grass had grown like over knee high. And it was a neighborhood eyesore, and people yeah. were complaining. And I was out mowing my front lawn and thought, how hard would it be for me to just jump over there and just mow it? I don't think she's home, and I'm not going to ask. And if she's offended or angry, it's her property. I don't know. I'll just, I'll, I'll tell her something. Yeah. So I went over there, and I mowed it, and it was a task, and it was hot. And here she comes. I'm like, oh, she might scream at me. I'm, I'm in her lawn. I'm, right. We haven't met. And, well, this could go sideways. I hope she's okay. She pulled up in the driveway. She rolled the window down and said, can I ask what you're doing? And I said, I'm mowing your lawn. She said, why would you do that? And I said, uh, I really kind of feel like the Lord kind of prompted me to just you know, do something. And it's not out of a judgment call. It's just because I can and I have a lawnmower. And she, her mouth opened and she started crying loudly and said, I'm a single, I'm a single mom and our lawnmower broke and I had to buy all these medicines. And she showed me all these medicines because of my health. And I know the neighbors hate me. And that one little thing turned into this grand friendship that benefited me far more than it ever benefited her. And it's just like the Lord is so sweet like that. It's like this week out in the street ministering and There's this man, we always ask if he wants prayer, and he always says no, but thank you for what you're doing, and he has a big garden, and he walked all the way down to the end of the street this week and said, I have flowers for all of you ladies, and I want you to come get them, and he comes out of his yard with these flowers. Mm -hmm. God is so extravagant, and his love is, if we just take a second You know, it's like everywhere you go, Ace, you're looking for that opportunity to just really love somebody radically. It's a part of you that I just love. And in a moment, just one kind thing can make the biggest difference. Like we're walking back to our cars with these flowers thinking it's 100 degrees. We think we irritate this man when we don't. 
And look what God is doing. He's yeah. just smiling. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think if we can just simplify, what what is the random act of <laughs> kindness that you can do for someone, whether it's in the moment, whether you're like looking for it or not, then be intentional in those moments, whether it's Holy Spirit prompting or just your heart in general. You're like, I think my neighbor needs me. And then it's a chance to meet your neighbor. I mean, <laughs> that was, I had, we had a new neighbor that moved in. The guy that used to live next door to us, I didn't really know him. Like I was aware that he was there and we'd wave, but we didn't like know each other. He moves out, new guy moves in like two days in. He's like, Hey man. And he's like introducing himself, telling me about his family. And he's like, so proud to finally be a homeowner. Like they were renters for a long, long time. And he's like, I never thought I'd own my own home and God opened up doors. And so we got to talk a little bit about faith. And it was just a really cool, like neighborly moment. And and he's like, hey, every once in a while, my friends come over and we're musicians and we make a little noise. I'm like, I'm a musician. I make noise. And it was like <laughs> instant, instant kismet. Right. And <laughs> my wife, who is not used to having a neighbor wave, you know, she's like, our neighbors wave like, hey, like, <laughs> it's a, what a concept. It's awesome to know your neighbors. Awesome. <sighs> You know how excited I am about the following story. The world's first fully electric flying car <gasps> approved by the FAA. You know how I am. If mm -hmm. I would rather not drive. I would rather do my nails, read, have somebody. And, and to fly in a car? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, and I know you're big on, like, you would be good with going to space if you could afford it or somebody paid your ticket or whatever. <laughs> I, however, don't have a desire. Even as a Star Wars fan, I'm like, no, galaxy's far, far away. I'm good. <laughs> but a flying car, like the Back to the Future kid in me is like, yeah, where's my DeLorean? Like, I don't need to travel in time. I just would like to be able to hover over the major freeway to get from A to B a little bit faster. $300,000, people are already putting in orders. It seats only two people, so I don't know how they're going to work out the whole family issue. A fully electric vehicle with a hydrogen option at a higher price. It can be driven up to 200 miles on public roads, fits into a regular garage, but it can also launch vertically into the air with a flying range of 110 miles. And it's cool looking, Ace. Yeah. It is really a great looking car. So before you take to the air, I'm curious, have you had a desire or had the opportunity to ride in a self-driving car yet? No. Have you? No, I haven't. Oh, I want to. So I was talking bad. with some friends about it this week and they're like, I'm going to go down to the test lot and, you know, just <laughs> see what it's like. I'm like, let me know how it is. Face, you know, do a Facebook live that way, you know, <laughs> if that's the way you go, then we can sell. Woo! You know, they took one for the team. Uh, but uh, so far, I haven't heard about their experience. But I, 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 I think the control freak in me, like, I don't mind, like, if my wife wants to drive or, drive or my daughters want to drive, like, I'm fine to be the passenger, right? I, I'll, whether I'm napping or in charge of drive-through or whatever my role is, I'm good, right? But to, to be in a car alone while technology is taking me, <laughs> I'm not sure that I'm there yet. Like, I'm excited that it's there, but, I, you know, if we have phone updates, you know, every six months because there's a bug in the OS system, I, I need the bugs to be worked out of the kinks on the self-driving car before I'm like, hey, let's go to auto Uber and have a good night, you know, <laughs> permanent DD, whatever you want to use them for, you know. 
Yeah, you'd want to grab the wheel, you know, at the last minute, like, oh, this isn't working out really well. But if you do that, are you going to crash? It's just, yeah, I'm a little, I'm with you on the whole control thing. If you really want a healthy relationship, you need to say goodbye to these behaviors, assuming that you know what your partner is thinking and feeling. And, you know, when we've been with somebody a long time, we do pretty much have a good idea of how they might be feeling. But when we make assumptions, it gets us in trouble. Well, and I'm totally going to out myself because I know it's one of my weaknesses with my wife is I will like if she gives me like if if there's something that at one point in time she wasn't excited about, whether that's like a food I made or a show or a movie that I wanted to watch. And she was like, ah, not right now in my mind. And I don't know why I do this. I put her in a box of like, well, I know you really don't want to do this. So it's okay if I go by myself or it's okay if I watch this by myself. And she's like, will you stop doing that? Stop telling me how I feel or think about that particular thing. So I'm trying to be better, but it does get me in trouble. If, if like I have to catch myself now, I've been married long enough. I should go, eh, mm. you know, self editing is, <laughs> that makes marriages last longer. Say the second thing you thought of, not the first thing you thought. <laughs> exactly. Don't hold a grudge. I think that's a given. Complaining and being negative. I think we want to be at ease with somebody and we want to get things off our back. But misery kind of loves company. And then when you're both, the mood is here and it's here yeah. because you're unloading things. And if it takes a while to unload it and it's super negative. Yep. Well, do you and Wayne, like if you're having a situation that's affecting the two of you, it's not necessarily that either one of you have done anything, but you kind of take it out on each other because of the situation rather than like, like you're not mad at Wayne. It's just like the situation that's affecting you both. So he's the closest proximity to you and it is affecting him as well. So it just kind of comes out and you're like, Hey, Sorry, I let you have it. I'm not mad at you. I'm mad at the situation. Have you had those moments? Oh, I would be more guilty than than him of that okay. because he tends to really be a positive person. Thank goodness where I can get into a funk. I try yeah. not to get into too many funks. And luckily, he's not. he doesn't irritate me further if I'm in a funk. He'll do something sweet, and it helps me get out of it. How about you? Yeah, I mean— I, I tend to be on the, like, I'm too much of a hopeaholic. Like if my wife's in a weird headspace or if something's happening, first of all, I try not to fix it. Cause again, husbands, our job is not to fix what's happening. It's to collectively work on something. And if she asks, what would you do in this situation? Then I'll say, well, this is my first instinct. But if she doesn't ask, my job is just to listen. Now, if it's something that's affecting both of us, then we'll collectively work on it. I'll say, well, here's what, I, here's what I'm thinking. What do you think of that? And then she'll go, no, I don't like that. What if we do this instead? I go, okay, well, I like that. Or no, I don't like that. Well, what's option C? You know, And then we just kind of plan it out because you know this about me. I tend to be like, okay, what is God saying to us about the situation? Where is our peace moving forward? Where is our joy? And if anything's robbed in the decision we're making, then that is too expensive of a conversation or a decision we're making. So uh, we back up and sometimes we punt or we really wait in situations, but we, we've, we've had our moments where it's like, you know, you misinterpret or misread what the other one is saying or doing, and then you have to go back and eat crow. 
but I'm reading a book right now about the conversation is the relationship. It's when you stop talking or you feel like you're going to have a conversation and it'll just lead to conflict. So you choose not to have the conversation. Mm -hmm. You have to be real. You have to be genuine. You have to be you and you have to address it. The conversation is the relationship. I think that's really good. And you guys Mm -hmm. obviously are hashing through things and that's the best way to go about it. Well, one thing you don't have to ever argue about is Birmingham Mortgage Group and our great friend, Turan Newell. He is friends with a lot of my friends. And he, I'll tell you what, Ace, he says the most positive things about people. Mm-hmm. And I love that about him. And the friendships he makes, I mean, he's done somebody's mortgage and people are still calling him <laughs> to talk about life or to get him to yeah, pray. Yeah. That's how fabulous this man is. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing is you want someone you can trust. You want someone that, you know, you feel like it's a friend helping you. It's not a business transaction. He's like family and he's there for you, whether you're getting your first home or you're refinancing so you can pay down or pay off lots of opportunities and programs that Turin, I think he's got an inside scoop that nobody else has, which is what I know helped a lot of families that's in our circles, as well as us, to get into our home. And so if you are looking to do so, is it a first-time mortgage, a refi, whatever it might be, just find out what number you qualify for, and then you can get giddy. So Turin will be happy to help you out. You can go to behammortgage.com or call them at 205-259-1656. We must deal with that terrible thing called the tongue, and the Bible has a lot to say about the words that we speak. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. How many times have you maybe been in traffic and somebody's being really ugly or really crazy and (laughs) there's a part of you that's like, game on. There's this show called Beef where there was a road rage incident and then they keep torturing each other and... I think a lot of us are a hair away from just getting agitated and whatever it is just yeah. flies out of our mouth. And we think, oh, I'm a Christian. I Maybe I have a fish on my car. But if you're the ugliest one out there while you're driving by with your pleasant peace fish, it's not helping anybody. Yeah. I've had friends that have the fish, but they keep it in the glove box because they're afraid to misrepresent. <laughs> and so they're like, I don't want to put that back there. But I, I think, too, you know, Proverbs talks about, you know, a gentle answer, you know, that turns away wrath. And I love that verse because when I have those moments when I feel myself getting hot, you know, to snap at someone, that I don't want my character in Christ to be compromised because someone else is either choosing to not have character, or maybe they're saying something and they're not aware of how it's coming across. And so I I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. Plus, I'm getting to the point in the age where it's too exhausting to get worked up anymore. Like, I remember the days of just, well, I don't don't have, you know, and, and that's the thing about even social media. I think I saw a meme today that said social media is the place where we take on other people's problems as our own. And so we get hot because someone did something or said something that really doesn't affect us at all. But because we're friends, quote unquote, we see it in our feed and we're like, I don't like what so-and-so. Well, they're not talking to you. 
they're using social media to vent themselves. Don't mm-hmm. judge. Just go, Lord, give them peace. Because that's where we're ultimately going to be able to find that gentler side. Or take a break from it. Because I'll tell you, the political landscape right now, I can be irritated in about half a second. And then go a little wild on it. Because yeah. I don't know who I'll ever be able to vote for again. The way things are going. Yeah. So we could go down a bunny trail of unhappiness about the leadership of this country and the way things are lining up that don't look much better. I'm, you know, then you're agitated. And who has that helped? You're right. Absolutely nobody. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's when you need to sit back and enjoy a nice cup of the Roxanne <laughs> blend of coffee because even just the smell alone, you're like, serenity now serenity now <laughs> and it's available of course at our website roxanne and ace.com it's also doing a lot of great stuff for ministry it is it sends teams around the world missionary teams and they say oh you're selling coffee wonderful come in and then before you know it people are getting saved right and left mm-hmm. it's the neatest concept it's a wonderful coffee it's packaged beautifully it smells terrific i i picked out the flavors and I think it's wonderful, and it all is about the gospel of Jesus. Mybrotherscup.com. Click on the Roxanne Blunt, and uh, you'll just have a permanent smile that goes with your freckles. Because I know, Ace, you're a big proponent of tattoos. The latest, greatest thing, the biggest TikTok trend Mm -hmm. is the freckle that is done by tattoo. And if you get really close to the precious little freckle, which I think are really cute, they're doing them in little heart shapes. What? (laughs) Like I'm all, I mean, I, I, I mean, a good set of freckles is great, right? Like I get that, but, and, and even like, you know, like women have had like their eyebrows done. Like I know there's a lot that tattoo artists can do. That's not just a tattoo. It's, helping you feel good about the way you look and present yourself. But a heart, like, I don't know that, I mean, you're a close talker, so you don't mind. Let me look at them freckles. I'd say, you know, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd be like, I don't, I don't need to get that close. I appreciate that that's your tattoo or that you, you like it. But, but as a tattoo artist, I, I will applaud them in the fact that they're making it creative, that it's not just deep, you know, it's not just, you know, connect the dots and it, you know, makes the big dipper or something <laughs> because well, because again that's the thing if you've never had a tattoo and one day i'm going to get roxanne in the chair but <laughs> the great thing is if you just give them an idea like i want something that represents faith and my family or i want something that's stars and clovers or whatever they'll come up with something beautiful and then you tell them where you want it and how big and it'll be the coolest most unique individual you know, conversation starter you'll ever have, but freckles, I don't know. (laughs) Just saying. Let me ask you, you have a lot of tattoos. Where was the most painful place that you got one? My elbow. I have a flame down my arm. So the, the, one of the fire flames, like the point of it is right on my elbow. And so going over that over and over again with black and orange and red, like after a while, I was like, dude, go somewhere else. Like, give me a minute. (laughs) He's like, all right, sorry. So he goes up to the nerves on my hand because it's on my hand. And he goes to like right there. I'm like, all right, now you're just being a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, 
you wanted the tattoo. It's true. I did. And I'm glad I have it. But in that, it's just kind of like, okay, try to find. But I will say, again, going back to the, if you're a first timer, getting it in a place where there's like muscle. So, you know, like on the back of your shoulder or on your arm, you know, even the inside of your arm is not terrible unless it's like maybe underneath that, that can be a little sensitive, but a really good tattoo artist will make you as comfortable as possible. They'll make sure that you're not just, you know, riling in pain and wetting your pants, you know, but they can't ice it down. No, right. No. Yeah. Cause it would mess with the skin and then it, the ink wouldn't take. So there's a lot of that, but I will say, and I guess this is me outing myself on a little bit. There's something about the smell and, and the sting. Cause really like if you've ever had, remember when you were a kid and people would come up and take like three fingers and like smack, you know, right oh, yeah. on the, on the arm. And you're like, eh, okay. That feeling <laughs> is what a tattoo feels like to me. <laughs> and I, there's just something, I don't know if it's sadomastic, that's not even the word, but the, um, the word I'm looking for, it, it feels like, it's so I, good. Come yeah, on, baby. Exactly. Yeah. It hurts so good. It, it, it's a pain that's like, oh, yeah, that's good. I remember that. Until it gets to a point where you're like, uh, actually, the, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm so old. Okay. I'm going to out myself. It's not the tattoo that's painful. It's having to hold your leg or your arm in a certain position <laughs> for a while. And then you're like, oh my gosh, my leg fell asleep. I can't be on my leg. You know. I'm cramping. <laughs> my pinky's numb. You know, it's like, it's crazy. <laughs> So, so that's the thing you have to think about before you go. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is just so privileged to have wonderful guests joining us each and every week. Today is no exception. The following guest has served as a pastor for 26 years. He leads the Doctor of Ministry program in Gospel Renewer and the pastoral leadership at Metro Atlanta Seminary. So we're not that far away being in central Alabama we should come visit. The aim Very of his cool. ministry is to help people come alive in the transforming power of God's grace. How marvelous is that? We are super excited to welcome to the show, Dr. McKay Keston. Welcome. Thank you so much. It's great. Really great to be here with you. And I, I love with the new book, spearheading straight into Galatians. I love it because I think so much of the New Testament, everybody's like, well, New Testament gives us, you know, our meat for what's applicable to today. Well, the whole Bible is, but it's a great entry point, I think, for anybody, no matter where you are in your faith, to think mm -hmm. about how to make the Bible come alive. So in this, while it's a great Bible resource or small group study, what is mm -hmm. kind of that first lesson that you think people can get from Galatians? You know, Galatians is so incredibly relevant for for today for every age because we are just like the original recipients of Paul's letter Paul had planted the churches in what's today modern Turkey kind of a south central Turkey then it was called Asia Minor and this region of Galatia when he started these churches uh these folks were just like us they were longing for there to be a god of grace where they could have reconciliation with God, not based on what they could do for God, but what God had done for them. Mm -hmm. And when they heard this message of Jesus, they were free, they were alive, they had joy. And then Paul left and some other folks began teaching. And uh, well, what happens 
to us happen to them. And that's that the propensity of my heart is self-righteousness, is to find some way to earn merit that I can boast, not in someone else, but boast in myself. Mm. So the first lesson is to recognize that deep, deep within the human person, there is a an addiction to self-righteousness. And so Galatians, in some ways, is Paul's intervention into these folks he loved so much to say, wake up and remember that you're saved by grace alone, in Jesus alone, through faith alone. It is a gift. So reclaim your freedom and your joy. Wasn't Paul like the master coach? Because yeah, he could correct you, but he was just so great at empowering others to do so well. Mm. And I think I think we feel that when we read Galatians. Yeah, you know, it's it's one of the harder letters because he comes out saying, you know, this is a problem. But we note that he says that right after he says that he desires for them to know the grace and peace of God, the Father and Jesus. And they knew him, they knew his heart, and that they had been deceived and he was helping them see the cross afresh. And his heart was for them to have their joy restored. It wasn't that they would necessarily first fix their behavior, but that they would understand the grace of God in Jesus more deeply and personally so that the Holy Spirit would fill them. And by having the Spirit in them, they would then begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So the change comes from the filling of God's love and His grace as the believer actually believes the good news. Okay, as you were writing this book, what was something about Paul that you either didn't know before or that kind of became like the central focus for you in your own faith as you were maybe seeing a little piece of yourself in him? Yeah, man. I think that toward the end of the letter, uh, you know, I've always, when we're raising our kids, you know, you don't boast, you don't brag, you don't, you know. But then I realized at the end of this letter, that Paul was all about boasting mm-hmm. and bragging. The difference is it wasn't boasting in himself, but it was boasting in someone else and what someone else did, and that being Jesus. And so he says, I will boast in nothing except the cross of Christ. And that, uh, to me, really stood out as something that uh, I've now made kind of a a twist in my thinking on rather than saying, don't boast, I say boast more, Mm. but boast in Jesus. Because it's so incredible what he did for us. You know, I've learned that if I'm going to do any speaking whatsoever, if, if that speaking lacks an emphasis on the cross, I'm in trouble. Mm. That's, that's the central message. You brought up grace a few times. and I love to talk about grace, grace being, the unmerited favor of God. Isn't it amazing that we have grace? That's the thing about that, the entire message of the Bible, and that it's it's counterintuitive to what we really expect, because the world does not operate on grace. The world operates on merit. And to hear a message of a God who is willing to extend grace and mercy to those who don't deserve it, in fact, deserve something quite different. When we think about what sin is, not just breaking rules, but it really in some ways is like treason to a king. 
that God is king, has created the world, the material universe, the moral universe, and he has given us these things for our flourishing. If I try to go against the material laws of gravity, I'd probably be in trouble. And the same thing is true with moral laws. But the reality is I have, and I am in trouble. And so God is the king, comes and actually serves this sentence that the traitors to the very king who is sacrificing himself deserve. It's an amazing thing. So yeah, grace, it just uh, turns everything about what we understand religion to be and who God is for us on its head. It's an amazing thing. It really is. Well, and you touch on something that we talked about earlier in the show about, you know, kind of relinquishing the wrath that we have and that we're kind of harboring, just waiting to go off, whether it's over politics or religion or whatever. What are some of the characteristics of Paul? Because, you know, everybody wants to see themselves in the Bible as they're reading it. They're like, I like so-and-so because, you know, that mirrors how I want God to call on me like David or or whatever. You know, what is it about Paul's characteristics that we could mirror that would help us to find that peace and that grace? That's a great, great, great question and uh, and great pursuit there. I think that a couple things with Paul, with with regard to seeing him in this letter and say, what are some ways I want to you know walk in his steps? As he says, follow me as I imitate Christ. Is that he was able to speak the truth in love without fear of the opinions of those whom he loved. Mm. This intervention, the hard words that he is speaking. Uh, it's not to to condemn them. It's to rescue them. It's to restore their freedom and their joy. And so if he had been a people pleaser uh, and just said what people wanted to hear, then uh, they would have remained in their state of blindness. Because what happens in Galatians 3, he says, you've been deceived, and it's as if the cross has been covered. It's like the, the enemy has put a smoke screen around the cross, and now you are living a life based on your own merits. And that's what's causing the joy to be lost. So it's causing infighting in relationships and not being able to be honest, vulnerable, and real with other people because we can't see the cross. And so I think that's one thing about his uh, his engagement with the Galatians that I find really helpful and something that I want in my own life. And we need to be reminded that it's the righteousness of Christ that allows us to appear before a holy God. Yeah, that's the whole message right there. You nailed it. And I think we get away from that. We think, well, if I'm good enough, I still talk to a lot of people who, you know, will say, are you going to be in heaven? And they'll say, well, I'm a pretty good guy. Hmm. And see, Paul, that's the thing about (laughs) the reason why, like you're saying, why he was able to speak truth and love and possibly be criticized because his his own righteousness, where it had been as a Pharisee in his own reputation. Now it is no longer in himself, which he called rubbish in Philippians 3. He says, I now have a gift righteousness that I may clothe myself in and boast in, not of my own weaving, didn't deserve it, didn't earn it, but I have received it from Jesus. It's kind of like my my father-in-law, when I got married, he got me a set of golf clubs. And uh, I thought it was because he wanted to spend quality time with his new son-in-law, but he knew that I was a pastor and it was a totally ulterior motive that drove him to get me those clubs. He I found out later 
simply wanted to see a preacher cuss. That's what golf will do. And and, and yet I wow. realized, because I'm not a great golfer, that I would never, he was a great golfer, I was never again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, in Georgia, not too da- far down the road, we mm. have the Masters. And the Masters Golf Tournament is an elite club of a few people who have won that tournament. And if when you win it, you get a green jacket. Mm-hmm. And that's really, I mean, you, if people are wearing a green jacket, that's a big deal. Yeah. And there's only one way I would ever get a green jacket to be able to walk into that club and say, I am a champion. It's if somebody else wins it and gives it to me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what happens in the gospel. Yeah. That we who we who could do nothing receive something so such an amazing prize that we may now boast, not in our own efforts or merits or righteousness, but in that which we have received and now wear to the praise of God's glorious grace. Well, and with I that- have never heard it put that way. And that <laughs> that is something I want to share. That's remarkable. It's true. Ace, yeah. we can both have green jackets. I'm I'm down. I mean, I like a good blazer, you know, so I, I have no problem with that. So before we let you go, McKay, on that same vein, as we talk about, you know, boasting in the Lord, mm-hmm. I've also heard pastors say the great thing about our faith is that we can boast in our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I love that Paul's letters kind of, I mean, he outs us on all of the things that are weak. And, and he's just talking to the Galatians. It really, we are all who he's talking to. But I love the idea of boasting in our weaknesses so that people know why we need our faith. These are things of my flesh that Mm. I can't fix on my own because I would do it with drugs or food or, you know, codependency or whatever. I need the Lord to keep me from being so full of myself in this thing that's got me down. So I love the idea of being bold like Paul, but then saying, hey, yeah, this is what I suck at, (laughs) you know? Yeah, and that was unusual for him. I mean, he, he didn't want to have to come in and do that, obviously. But there are times when when he, he saw the heart of the gospel in someone's life, stealing their freedom and their joy, when out of true love, he would come alongside. And he was one who was, I mean, Romans 7, he is totally willing to say, look, I, and in First Timothy, I'm the chief, I'm the worst, I'm the model of the person that had that it required Jesus to shed their blood, his blood for chief of sinners. I'm the, I'm the foremost. And I think that learning the lesson of boasting and weakness is kind of the, the, the other side of boasting in Jesus. That if, if I'm boasting in myself, I can't boast in Jesus too. And if I'm boasting in Jesus, then Hey, there's freedom. Yeah. Amen. Oh, that's so, so good. Yeah. He has written a book called Galatians navigating life in view of the cross. You're going to want a copy of it. How can people connect with you, Dr. McKay Caston? Hey, uh, McKayCaston.com. Check me out. Love to see you. Hey, McKay, we appreciate your insights and wisdoms. We look forward to having you back. Hey, thanks y'all so much. Wow. Well, I I know you're a food guy. And so there is food news I want to share with you. Chick-fil-A. I know you love Chick-fil-A. By the end of the month, you can enjoy a new sandwich. It is the honey pepper pimento cheese sandwich. Now, that does sound really good to me. See, I'm not a pimento cheese guy, so I don't know that I will try this. Yeah. 
And 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 I'm all about, you know, add to your menu, try things. I mean, when they came out with the spicy chicken sandwich, I'm like, yes, never take this away from me. You know, even, even the TikTok concoctions where people like take the mac and cheese and the hot sauce and the chicken and throw it in the little pouch and shake it up and then eat it. Like I can get on board for all the different variations, but there's something about the consistency of pimento cheese that makes me just, I want to barf. Just, I can't do it. And the whole, what is it, Burger King doing the all cheese burger? Yes, 20 slices of American cheese on a bun, no sauce. No meat. Can't do it. I wouldn't go to the bathroom for a year, but that's a subject <laughs> for another day. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we are unlimited tonight, that's for sure. But that's the first thing I thought of was, wow, that'd be a permanent way to be <laughs> have a disturbing issue. Yeah. And this thing is caught on. Who wants to eat that? And then everybody has to exaggerate. And so somebody did one with 40 slices of cheese. And the patience you'd have to have if you're opening all those wrappers. Right. That's <laughs> that's when I feel like someone would spit it in my food. <laughs> he wants 40 slices. Here you go. <laughs> Talk about... Uh, being angry and disgruntled, that would that would do it for sure. <sighs> well, we appreciate you hanging out with us. Always <laughs> a blast. And hopefully you learned a little something and maybe got something to add to your menu for the fall. Woohoo! You know, <laughs> Labor Day trends for us all. Uh, but we'll see you again next week. Make sure to like, subscribe, and follow. Say thanks to My Brother's Cup and Birmingham Mortgage Group for being a part of the show. Roxanne, I love you. Love you, bitches. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.